Hey friends, how are you guys doing today? Um, I am excited to um to do this to do this podcast um because I love connecting with you guys. However, I am not excited about today's topic. I am not excited about today's topic um because you know um it took a lot for me to even get to this point of wanting to share this um today if you've been following us for some time we've been talking about kingdom dna dna walking in your god-given identity and it's a series so last week we started our first series and if you didn't listen to that i kind of shared like the inspiration behind this came from getting my african ancestry results and learning that our family ancestry is from cameroon and while we were going through that process of getting those results, God started to deal with me about kingdom DNA and helping people understand their identity in Christ and how, um, once we understand who we are, whose we are and walking in that authority, how the power that comes from that and that power that is over sin. And so today, um, while I knew I was going to be talking about something to deal with, like, um, shame and guilt or something like that but when the Lord started to download into me like my own personal stories that I should share (laughs) that's when I was like I don't think I want to do this podcast I don't think I want to do this podcast nope nope I I don't want to do it I don't do it um I love sharing my story however um sometimes you know certain stories are harder to share than others um I shared a few stories back my um you know my struggles when I was a teenager of 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 wanting to commit suicide and those mental health issues I had and not having anybody to see and I was not like literally no counselors around it was the Holy Spirit that carried me through that season and I talked about that and I got really vulnerable and I even wasn't planning on sharing that but what I'm what I've surrendered this podcast just when I surrendered this podcast to the Lord guys and it is my hope that whoever listens to these podcasts that they know that they are not alone that they know that um there is hope there's redemptive power through God and his his presence and walking with him and so um you know I always say hey you could be listening to this on ride to work or at lunch or wherever, but, um, you know, this is not going to be easy for me to get through. I am, you know, just really surrendering this whole podcast to God, hope, hoping that my story will help somebody see that just because you went through something or went through something um, personal and deeply breaking your heart and God's heart that he will love you through it and he will carry you through it and redeem you you can be redeemed the redemptive power of God is alive and well y'all so um today we are going to be talking about like I said before um shame and guilt in terms of understanding your kingdom DNA shame and guilt is not a part of your kingdom DNA because it has a tendency to paralyze us and God God wants us to be free he died on the cross so that we might be free he died on the cross that we might 
have life and life more abundantly. He died that we might live. And um, when we come into that faith of believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me, that I might live and be saved from sin and death, um, we walk in a new a newness, a power and an authority. But um, there are times where we might have residues and remembrances of the things we did before or even the things we did after we got salvation or got saved that um, bring shame and guilt back up again. So I wanted to talk to you guys about freedom from shame and guilt today and kingdom DNA. So the definition of shame is a painful sensation. This is from the uh, KJV dictionary. A painful sensation excited by a consciousness of guilt or having done something which injures your reputation or by that which nature, nature or modesty prompts us to conceal. Shame is particularly excited by the disclosure of actions which in the view of men are mean and degrading. Hence, it is often or always manifested by a downcast look called confusion of faith or of face. Shamefulness is also called disgracefulness. Shaming is making ashamed or confounding or to be made ashamed means shamed. Guilt, on the other hand, is usually um, connected to this idea of criminality, the state of a moral agent which results from his actual commission of a crime or offense, knowing to be crime. That's why people go to, you know, when they're in the uh, the legal system, they are innocent to proven guilty, knowing it to be a crime or violation of law to constitute guilt. There must be a moral agent enjoying freedom of will and capable of distinguishing between right and wrong and a willful or intentional violation of that known law or rule of duty. The guilt of a person exists as soon as the crime is committed, but to evidence it to others, it must be proved by confession or conviction in due course of law. This is kind of the basis of our legal system. Guilt renders a person or debtor to law as it binds him to pay a pen- penalty in money or suffering. Guilt therefore implies criminality and li- liableness to punishment. Guilt may proceed either from a positive act or breach of law or from voluntary neglect of known duty. Criminality in a political or civil view, exposure to forfeiture or other penalty, etc., etc. So, um, that's kind of like the book form of shame and guilt, right? Shame and guilt tend to go hand in hand as when somebody does something that they know is wrong. Um, they feel that that's the guilt. They, the realization that I knew this was wrong. I know right for wrong, but I did the wrong thing. And then the shame comes because, um, I know I did a wrong thing. I know I did a bad thing. Um, so whenever you identify these two things in your lives, one of the things that you can, um, one of the things that you can really like look at is, um, like those feelings that come up of like, who, who are you to say that? Who are you, you know, to, you know, these, these internal thoughts or maybe whispers from the, from the enemy that says, 
You have no right to say that. You, you, who are you? You know, look at all the bad that you've done in the world. Like, look at all the things you've done. Like, you have no right. Like, these are signs that shame and guilt is alive and well in your life. And they're trying to control you. And they're trying to stop you from walking in your God-given identity. They're they're trying to stop you from walking in the power of God, his redemptive power and forgiveness of sin. That's the blood of Jesus. And um, it's trying to stop you from fulfilling the purpose and call and destiny, overall destiny of your life. So when you identify, like when you want to go after something or you want to do something or you feel God calling you to do something, yet there's like this pulling or this struggle to even make this first step in this almost as if um, you are remembering who you were, right? Um, or maybe something you currently struggle with. That shame and guilt will keep you stagnant and it will keep you from moving and being obedient to the Lord. Um, and it will even prevent you from seeking God with your whole heart. Like there are so many people out there that have decided to be to to go the world's way because they cannot handle looking at their own issues and giving it over to the Lord even though the Lord will heal and set free and redeem just the realization that I I don't want to even address it anymore like I don't even want to look that way it's too painful for me to look Um, that's why it takes strength and the Bible says he like in your weakness he gives you strength He'll, he'll make you strong. Like the whole lie that I, I can't do it because I'm not strong enough or I can't do it because it's too painful is, is a complete flip because he will not only love you through it, he'll give you peace through it. He'll help you through it. He'll walk with you through it. And so, um, you know, I personally have walked through this in my own life multiple times. I walked through a couple of seasons of shame and guilt. Um, uh, the one I'm going to share with you today um, is one, probably the worst of the, I want to say like three top shameful moments of my life. The, uh, this, this one's the top of the three. So there's like three really shameful moments that stick out in my, in my life that I'm like, dang, you know, ooh. I don't even want to remember those moments. They bring up so many bad feelings. But um, the first one, I was 17 years old. And like I said, I was not excited about this podcast because this is what the Lord wanted me to share. But I have to always remember that you guys are listening and that this is this is for somebody. And even if it's not for you who's listening, this might be for somebody you know. And they need to know, like, you can be redeemed from from this ma- this point, this moment. So um, share this with them and just say, you know, she has a similar story and God redeemed her life. And that's that's what I want to share my story with you guys for is to know that God can redeem you. He can love you and he can um, put you on a new path. And your life does not have to be dictated by shame and guilt. So um, pretty much I was 17 years old. I was, you know, as a child, I had gone through a lot of like um, abuse, not from my immediate family, but from 
friends of families from our families, friends of our families. I always put that in quotations. I'm like, they was not friends and they wasn't family. Um, But they, you know, a lot of abuse growing up, you know, child molestation, different things like that at the age of five, which kind of led me down this dark, dark path of depression at the age of like nine that lasted to 11 to I almost committed suicide. But Oh, God saved me. He came into my life. His presence has been super strong in my life ever since. Um, but then I started to date because my dad was like in and out of my life. Like he wasn't there consistently. And I just had this like longing for love. I remember just wanting to be needed and wanted and this longing for love at, at like 11 or 12 is like a really bad um, and very vulnerable place to be. And so I had all these boyfriends um, I started dating at like probably, I want to say really dating, probably like 12 or 13. I started dating, um, not serious, you know, at 12, you don't date seriously, but like my serious, serious, first serious relationship was I was probably 15 years old. I dated this guy, head over here in love with him, thought that he was it. Uh, actually, I didn't even know he was, if he was it. I just know I wasn't, I loved him. That's my first, like, what I, I guess, called teenage love. Um, not even true love. It was teenage love. Anyway, I was in a relationship with him for about two years. And then he started cheating on me at, at when I was seven, like 17. I had just turned seven, 16. No, I was still I was 16. And I was about to turn 17. So he started cheating when he was 16, broke my heart, like literally broke my heart. I had never experienced any pain like that ever um, because it, it was so detrimental. Like I literally gave him my whole heart. When you don't have a consistent father in your life, you give your whole heart to these little boys, like these boys, and they can't, they can't handle that. Like that's too much for them. They, they just like literally functioning out even with their mind. And so, um, anyway, I believed him when he said he loved me back. I believed him when I just had this, this image of our future and our head and I held on to that. And then when he tried to cheat on me, broke it all into pieces. And as well as my heart was broken into pieces. So mind you, I had already struggled with like depression at 12 and 13. So it threw me into a state of depression, but more so anger. And that's actually part of depression is anger, getting really angry, so I remember getting extremely angry at him and, and like, but yet holding on to the relationship. And so what I did um, to get him back is I started dating another guy. And this was a guy I had known probably when I was 14 before even me and him started dating. And we had a this guy I, I started dating, um, like cheating on him with we we had a what a what I call a phone call relationship at 14 a friend of mine at school introduced us over the phone I was like in ninth grade she was like you should talk to him his name was James He's like you should talk to James you know whatever blah 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 blah. apparently so we talked on the phone and for whatever reason I kicked it off with this guy on the phone and whatever we had this long distant relationship he was nowhere near our city thank god at 14 but uh, we reignited, like we reconnected at 17 when I got angry with my current, the current guy I was dating. And I, I cheated on him with him and I started dating him. 
Well, all through my teenage years, I was always, I was very physical with both relationships, if you know what I mean. Hot mess, train, it was just a disaster. Um, <laughs> it was absolute disaster. Once again, didn't know or value myself, love myself enough to know what I should or shouldn't do. I didn't really have that like they have nowadays, like these purity groups and just these encouragement to know your value and beauty. I didn't have that. I mean, my mom tried to get me in like Girl Scouts and I was little, wasn't even thinking about it or feeling it. But um, anyway, I just remember like um, not knowing really like what to do. I just knew, like I always thought, oh, I'm going to save myself to Mary because that's what they say in church. But when it came down to it, like I couldn't process all these emotions and feelings that I was feeling from home from neglect from my dad like all these feelings I didn't know how to process them so when the time came to make that choice of decision it just happened and um so when the when this guy um my my the guy that I thought I was in love with broke my heart I started dating James and I knew I didn't love him I just I was just so hurt he was like a warm blanket to go to somebody else like again my dad I couldn't really talk to my mom about this she I said she will flip out about all the stuff that I'm doing like so it was always hidden to her anyway I was playing with fire y'all I was playing with fire and I would see James after work because he literally lived around the corner from the doctor office doctor's office that I worked at I literally see him every day after work and I was just I was just reckless with my life I remember being like didn't care like James um he uh he, he was a drug dealer I didn't know it at the time I had no idea James was a drug dealer y'all um I didn't find that out until probably no I found that out during in the process yeah during this whole this whole season of all this stuff happening so I was, my life was just, I was just doing whatever I want. I went to church. I was going to church because my mom made me go to church and I actually liked going to church, but I had like a double life. I was living a double life, y'all. I was like, I'm in church praising the Lord, but here I got this boyfriend on the side and I'm, and I'm cheating on this other guy because he cheating on me. <laughs> so it's like, like, oh my God, I think back like. Where, where was all her mentors at? I don't, I just, I, there was a lot of people around me that I could have talked to. I just was not talking to people. I was not opening up. Um, I just figured that I'll figure this out on my own and just did my own thing. And plus my friends had their hot mess. And so it was just like, I don't know. We were just hot mess bonding. I can, I guess like their hot mess and my hot mess. We were just like, girl, you got hot mess. I got hot mess too. Let me tell you. And it just became like a thing about in our fan group, friends group. That's why your kids, like who they hang around is so important. But anyway, um, I'm really like skating around this because I don't even like, I don't even want to get to it, but I'll get to it. Anyway, me and James, we were together. We weren't even together very long. I want to say less than six months. It probably was like less than six months that um, I was with James because because I was with James every day and we were very physical. Um, I got pregnant. I got pregnant at 17 and I don't know if my mom's done. I, I 
I'm pretty sure I told her. I can't even remember if I did or not, but I always brushed this real fast. If I ever said anything, I always brushed it over real fast. And um, when I found out, it was very shocking and hurtful and painful because I had just got accepted to college, um, you know, going out to Michigan State, and I had these high hopes for myself. I really did want to fulfill my dreams. I was accepted to a summer science academy program for medical school that year before, which only 16 kids in the whole school got accepted to. So not only did I have high hopes for myself, everybody else did too. And the day that I found out I was pregnant at 17, this lady at our church, she looked at me, she said, I hope you never get pregnant because my daughter, all three of my daughters look up to you. And I was like, oh, great. Who says that? And like, she had no idea that I was because I had just found out myself and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. So I shared the news with James. James was like, Oh my gosh, you know, he can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, and then I made out of like panic and ignorance. I made the decision that I did not want to go through with it. Number one, I knew I didn't love James. Um, but that still was no reason you know, to not go through with it. I just was ignorant and had no options that were, to me, uh, viable. I had no options. I wish there was groups around like Embrace Grace who helps girls through things like this and shows them um, the life that can be lived afterwards. And if you never heard of Embrace Grace, Amy, I want to say, I forget her last name, Evans, I think, Amy, and Embrace Grace, if you just look up Embrace Grace, she has a very similar story as mine, except she made the opposite decision. So in Michigan, you know, I was 17, I was underage, but they have loopholes. And so I found them because I was determined and I went ahead with it. It was a very hard day, uh, a day I never want to remember, a day I wish I can erase out of my memory or that ever happened. Not just out of my memory, I just wish I could take it back and do something different. From the very beginning, I wish I would have approached the whole situation different. Again, I was reckless, playing with fire, and then I didn't know how to handle the fire when it got out of control. All the while, God was with me, y'all. I remember the Lord being there. And I remember um, feeling so much shame and guilt that day. I was asleep most of the day from the anesthesia. Um... Uh, you know, I went through with, if, if, if I didn't say it, I went through with the abortion, guys. Um, I was probably about six weeks. Um, maybe five. Five or six weeks. And I went through with it. Um, worst day of my life, for sure. Um, and, oh, let's see. All the shame and all the guilt that you can one person can ever muster up came crashing down on me at 17 all of it and for a while I did not know if I would ever want to have children again or should have children again or even deserved to have children again and then God started to share with me I went to you know I got married, and, and even after I got married, I still dealt with a little bit of it, 
still dealing with it. And I went to uh, this this organization at our church gateway. They had a an event called Kairos, and Kairos is kind of like a place where you really like go deep and lay down all of your shame, your guilt, your worries, your concerns on forgiveness. Like you get all that muck and mire out of you. And um, I remember going to this and getting finally feeling like I was on the road to freedom because freedom is an everyday choice. It's not one instance that it happens. And so um, he started to show me some scriptures that I want to share with you as I walked out my guilt and shame. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 54 and 4, fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember it no more. First Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted among your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. First John 2 and 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. Micah 7, 19, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Revelations 21 and 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Acts eight twenty two. repent therefore for this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. Acts 3 and 19, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Psalms 103, 8 through 12, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always shy, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Romans 10 and 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3 and 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in that in order that the world might be saved through him. And I want to end with Hebrews 10 and 23. This is the one that God says, rise up. You are redeemed. So if you're listening to this and you've been bound by shame or guilt, I want you to know God is telling you to rise up. You have been redeemed. Like walk in that belief and that faith. That's where the power is to believe it. Once you believe that I have been redeemed, once you believe that I am redeemed by God, by the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I have been forgiven. My sins have been washed because he died and rose again for me. That's where the power is. And in Hebrews 10, let's see here, 19 through 23, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, 
we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. You guys, if there's no other scripture you hang on to to be redeemed, hang on to that one. Type it up, put it on a put it on your mirror if you have to. And then follow him. Let him lead you, let him guide you into freedom, into um a new redemptive life. I rarely feel shame or guilt from that moment now I when I have to recall it like I had to today I always think girl what would you think and you know things like that come up and it just brings back these feelings of just like I wish I wish I would have did you know wish I would have did a whole lot of things different but I it shame and guilt doesn't hold me down and I, I mean if you don't feel bad for what you did I think sometimes I'm like I don't know if that's the feeling that you should have because it's it's healthy to feel bad for something we did. We just don't want to feel shame or guilt. We just don't want feeling bad to hold us down. Like if you did something bad, you know, it's bad. However, it's not the end of the story. The story does not end there. There is a comma, comma. God can do something new in you. God can redeem you. God can change your heart. I always call it my butt God moments. Yeah, I was at the lowest, lowest place in my life. Yes, I wanted to give up at one point, but God, y'all, but God. And if y'all can just have a but God moment even now, um, I just want to pray. I just feel like praying for somebody that's listening that might um, just need a but God moment. I just want to pray for you. Lord God, we just thank you for this uh, podcast. Lord, we thank you for every sound every person that's listening under the sound of my voice father god i ask that you come in like you did for me lord god and that you heal you heal them of all their iniquities that you forgive them of all their sins oh god god i pray that they repent with their whole heart turn from their wicked ways that they seek you with everything in their hearts. Oh God, I ask you, Lord God, that you give them a story, a redemptive story like you gave me. Give them a story where people look at you and connect, people look at you and can't tell that you've gone through or done anything wrong or bad. Lord, I ask that you give them a beautiful, glorious story that you get the glory out of their life no matter what they've done. Lord, you use the things that confounds us, God. You use people that aren't perfect. It confounds the wise. So, God, I just pray, God, that you heal them, that you walk with them through freedom, that you send people into their lives, or that you show them the way to go, the church that they should go to, a Bible-believing church, a spirit-moving church, to walk out their freedom. 
that they will connect with even a counselor if they have to, if they struggle with depression and anxiety from these decisions. Father, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your power in the earth like never before. Holy Spirit, I pray that you touch the listeners that are listening right now, God, that they will fall on their knees, that they will repent of all of their sins, and that they will love on you and walk with you, and they get sold out for you. And God, I praise you and I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. <sighs> I told y'all this was going to be a, a one. This was going to be one of those. But I'll end it here because this has gone on a lot longer than I wanted to. But um, I pray that blesses you. Have a good one, guys.